I am Rajesh. Uh, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Inbox, uh, a fintech infrastructure company uh, based out of India. You've surely heard the saying that the best way to make money in a gold rush is by selling shovels. And in the current fintech gold rush, Finbox is the company that is selling shovels. Finbox has built the pipes that help fintech companies to ingest user data, apply decision-making engines, and run their workflows through an orchestration engine. In this episode, your host Akshay Dath interviews Rajat Deshpande, the founder of Finbox, about the business of making pipes for the fintech space and creating a global business out of that. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming platform to learn about building niche global technology businesses. Let's start first with like an elevator pitch of Finbox. If you were pitching to me to raise funds, what would be your elevator pitch for Finbox? Finbox essentially is a company that is building fintech infrastructure and credit intelligence APIs. So we are basically lending focused APIs that enable, you know, companies to build digital credit products. So these products could be buy now, pay later, personal loans, business loans, B2B buy now, pay later, working capital loans, etc. And we provide end-to-end, you know, from sort of KYC credit decisioning to dispersal integration with a bunch of lending partners. And on the other side, we have credit intelligence uh, products. Okay, interesting. So just to like make it a little simpler, one part of your business is fetching data. Where you fetch data, it could be the Aadhaar, PAN, etc. Or it could be the account information about the person. And this data is used to eventually arrive at a credit decision that should I lend or not. And the second part of your business is the decision-making engine or the recommendation engine, which would throw up scores based on data, which would help a lender to decide whether to lend, how much to lend, etc. No, so this is the first business. So basically getting sort of using various kinds of data sources for decisions and there are a different, so this is, you could say credit intelligence business, which includes fraud, you know, credit risk, all of the other analytics, various data sources. Second business is an end-to-end infrastructure piece. So basically say you are like an e-commerce player and you want to now start offering your own white labeled buy now pay later program Um, so you come to us and you integrate our api and sdk and you configure the product and that's it you are done and you can get started with the program in say about two three weeks we bring the lender partners and sort of help you construct the program it's like a plug and play digital lending product any company can launch a digital lending product through a plug and play solution that you offer Hmm. Yeah, so that's one part and then lenders also use it essentially and the largest chunk of business today comes from our lending partners. So one of your business lines is competing with Nero. Nero is in a similar space where they allow, let's say an e-commerce company wants to launch a BNPL or a, any such product, they can do that through Nero. So something similar is... Nero maybe sources these loans, but they also aggregate essentially. So basically, 
what aggregation means say in e-commerce is that you you get inventory and then you take a margin you sell inventory right so that's one thing what we do essentially is we are a very neutral technology player so what we do is what shopify does we're like okay take this tech you talk to each other build your sort of you know you decide the commercials we don't care about it we will help you get to that but we are not in the business of really aggregating you or you we are just the pipe which is enabling this business to happen and so so we are a technology business a tsp business as it's called in india today so there's an aggregation business which is the lsp business quote unquote sort of a little fuzzy what are the full forms uh... lsp is a loan service provider basically and tsp is a technology service provider so we're not really an lsp we are a tsp so what you're saying is that nero already has relationships with lending partners and commercials whatever the the negotiations are already done yeah absolutely so nero could be our customer also in a way right because ultimately we don't really care about or sort of try to aggregate these people and sort of in my understanding maybe nero does sort of take a little bit of credit risk etc or sort of you know those things we don't know we are a pure technology business and generally stand neutral in these sort of you know business models so we work with everyone so nero also potentially we could work with so these three products one product is information and decision making like capturing data and then reaching to a decision based on that uh, the second product is helping like say a, a consumer a b2c internet company to start offering lending and the third product is helping a lending company to offer an online product but the second one or two categories is the same product is just you know who's using it what is your customer profile like what business do you get from lending companies as a percentage of the pie and what business comes from a b2c internet company which is offering lending i think most of our revenue does come from lending companies say maybe about 80% is from lending companies 30% would be from what we call as anchor partners and i think that mix is going to remain because of course you know lending companies really have large balance sheets and they have a high risk appetite and they sort of you know move very fast with this this is like not a side activity for them is their core business and that becomes large very fast and as we keep adding more and more lender partners you know the the lending sort of from the lender comes from banks and nbfcs is at much 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 more higher volumes than maybe a little bit of these b2c folks Uh, because for a lender this is core part of their business whereas for a b2c internet company this is an ancillary revenue yeah it's an ancillary revenue and we do a bunch on very large anchor partners we do a bunch frankly and who are some of these anchor partners you can describe them large super apps conglomerate super apps etc bunch of those large b2b commerce platforms or sort of b2b like udan types yeah agrees and then sort of more you know b2b marketplaces for goods i think we were one of the first guys sort of in india at least who published a blog saying embedded finance xyz hoga and we realized it fairly i would say during the first wave of covid and we built a product which was integratable etc 
your anchor partner customers are essentially customers for whom they would feel that there is a lot of promise in starting lending which is why they would want to invest in building those relationships directly with the nbfc partners and then using your stack to enable that yeah yeah absolutely ultimately lending does a bunch of stuff on platforms and is you know different platforms have different motivations for example some folks do it for monetization right that's the best way to monetize sometimes so these companies would earn a spread or would they earn like a referral fees like every loan that both models exist both models exist mostly i would say it is referral based but in certain cases it's spread based as well so you were saying why these platforms want to offer lending so yeah one is more monetization another is essentially more retention you know better user experience or sort of completeness of product right so pro- good product experiences etc third is you know basically for example in e-commerce or b2b e-commerce it leads to higher you know average ticket size or acv basically average card size etc increases by 30 40% and we've done like a fairly deep dive on on the numbers here and it it does meaningfully change the dynamics of these businesses okay interesting what are some numbers that you track uh, is it like number of loans originated or uh, is it your arr or so there's a bunch that we track i think see because they're separate businesses and we are a tsp business we basically track api calls your revenue is purely on api calls so disbursals are correlated of course uh, with api calls mm-hmm. and what is your uh, arr currently what, what kind of growth trend have you seen we've grown about 120% uh, over the past year and so pretty much doubled we are in this sort of high single digits of million dollars of life now and we hope to double again over the next year or so when do you think you'll cross uh, 10 million dollars hopefully within the next year tell me about the journey of how you reached here uh, i believe you passed out from it bombay in 2009 and you started this about 8 years after passing out so just a summary of what you did in those 8 years what led to the birth of this and it's an interesting story one is you know i i started my career after of course 2009 was the great financial crisis year so i started mostly in pharmaceutical consulting with the zs associates then i moved to city group as a quant worked with the trading desks in new york and then a little bit in in uk on structured finance and then sort of i quit 2014 joined healthcard.com as a product manager focused on mobile and basically in 2015 I, we had an idea of building a personal finance management app using you know phone data and it was a consumer business we started it in gurgaon for about half a yearish and then we realized that we were not cut out for consumer and also i personally realized that i needed like somebody to guide me or an ecosystem of people that we could learn from in terms of the startup you know stuff that we wanted to do did you raise funds or like when you launched this we were like very very razor sharp on building revenues even with a consumer startup we were like what can we sell etc right and you know those days i would say 
it wasn't easy to monetize in consumer you know and i think our mental model was also wrong but yeah we did pitch to a bunch of vcs and nobody really understood us and you know it was interesting frankly now we see maybe what it takes to build a consumer company and how it's different from building like a b2b business right and i think realistically i would say the founder market fit wasn't there so i am guessing when we said xyz stuff to some investors they didn't really believe us because you know we maybe have the consumer flair or maybe we were just talking you know monetization too early or some of those things and i think nobody wanted to take a you know punt on us from a consumer perspective and i would say rightly so <laughs> so then we were like okay let's came to bangalore started on uh, a logistics startup i became head of product at gopijan logistics which was this was a a job yes so i came to bangalore from gurgaon and then met the folks here saw what the startup vibe was all about and all that and it was like really a new way to live i felt you know because i was like hardcore finance guy jumped into the messy you know domain of really tech startups from healthcard.com but didn't really realize what was happening right and still very very naive from a startup sort of vantage point and then i came to bangalore and really did understand that what it was about you know how do you iterate on products etc i knew product management but from a business context perspective etc and how do you build a b2b business so gopijan was in, interestingly a b2b business and we were like okay we wanted to sell to companies they were selling fulfillment or software like typically in logistics software software actually it was a it was a fantastic business i, I really liked it and you know after it got acquired etc we were you know like it's just some execution stuff that didn't go right maybe but you know our competitors then the smaller guys are now unicorns so ship rocket was one of our competitors like okay ship rocket etc and and they executed brilliantly and then shipsy i think came later executed brilliantly now very large companies i would say and we did realize that there was a problem in the domain but somehow it didn't really play out really well and it got acquired but i was maybe i got like a ring side view into how these things happen etc and then we the good part was we met the other two co-founders at gopijan and like we really hit it off srijan nikhil and one of the co-founders is my brother also a younger brother anand so four of us we were like okay let's do this and you know that's how it started we didn't really think of like building a company as i would say we there used to be in in bangalore in domlu there used to be an access bank thought factory thing so and like a startup incubator and they had like a room outside which they had just kept so that some startups could one or two days come hang out and do their thing and basically we like took over that room so we were like we could go sit and we just everybody started to think that that is like finbox's room and then one day access bank folks were like do you want to come in the incubator so inside part and we'd like yes of course and then you know we paged and we did some stuff we built a weird amount of stuff in the lending domain in the early days we tried to build location intelligence we built a lot of 
origination stuff we built a bunch of kyc stuff in the early days etc and then you know what clicked was for us was our data stuff because that is our you know sort of core work in our sort of earlier lives was with data and building sort of more high performance systems and that clicked and then we sort of went from to build in deeply the credit intelligence pieces and it's been then one step in front of the other i would say <laughs> what is the the first product which saw traction device connect is the first product so basically it is an anonymous date you know sdk so it goes into android phones and then say you know it syncs a bunch of data anonymously about the users with consent i must say of course and then we create a bunch of insights what kind of data like so this is like data uh, from the android phone what kind of apps is the person using you know some data on anonymous transactional data that is through sms etc you know it could be location data right now it's sort of become a little more restricted so mostly you know this metadata about the user and then we generate through machine learning a bunch of uh, you know analytics uh, about income propensity credit risk etc uh, and we give it out uh, on apis so that was our first product and become very very polished mature proved itself out during covid where we could predict a lot of delinquencies defaults and then we built a bunch of products on top so, so th- this would be used like say if i have a app for loans digital lenders yes with that yeah, yeah somebody who's downloading my app the sdk would be embedded into that and then the lender would get this data and this recommendation through that yes through apis while you know in the, while the user is on the loan journey uh, in their app they can just pull and make a real time decision about the user okay and who was your first customer lender home credit was our first first lender first large customer i would say there were like and then we did have a bunch there really good sort of traction in the early days itself a home credit is a startup or a, a traditional lender no it's a multi country nbfc which focuses on consumer durables and and personal loans uh, automated so it's like a robo lender in a way and how did you get the client like who, who was doing sales anant my younger brother was sort of he knew the home credit folks he had worked there for a bit so he did the sort of closing of the the sort of deal got it and which year did you sign on home credit when was this i think we did the pilot in 2018 signed on 2019 and then of course fairly quickly covid hit i think 2020 by the time we were sort of maybe maybe 6 months odd in to what we were doing so uh, did covid give you a lot of new business because uh, a lot of lenders who were relying on offline would the first wave of covid was like was a big pain and then second wave of covid i think meaningfully changed the way people were thinking about this and see this is an enterprise business so i think the top of the funnel increase very fast but of course the you know implementation deal closure takes a bunch of time but i would say covid second wave did change people's fundamental ways of thinking about this business right and it's big we have been a beneficiary net net 
it did also of course destroy a lot of people's business downstream and because we are a b2b business you know if our customers don't make money or if they suffer then we also suffer right so you know we supported a bunch of our customers in those through through those times and mind you we were not a funded business we just you know in, in meaningfully we were just bootstrapped for a bunch of time profitable but bootstrapped nevertheless and it was very hard for us to support you know our partners but but we did because you know of course that's what you do um, in while sort of building this business and yeah but it it's it's played out nicely i would say over time okay so this was a first product of the device analytics what was the next product the next product is called bank connect which is essentially bank statement plus account aggregator software development kit and api so basically in the loan journey uh, you can take data from device make decisions but then you can also you need to sometimes take data of bank statements especially if it's a larger ticket size loan or you know it's an msme loan etc once you get it you have to of course create the entire user experience that is kickass which also combines net banking the way to sort of upload data or a pdf where we support 500 plus banks or the account aggregator way so you need to build a seamless user experience across all three and you have to combine all three data sources seamlessly into one api so we do that so doesn't account aggregator eliminate the need for pdf upload or the net banking login you know our sdk has provides this sort of you know um, ability for the user to choose the mode they will definitely choose you know whatever is the easiest right one piece is that account aggregator usage has meaningfully grown basic definition of what is account aggregator framework so account aggregator it's like open banking in india and it's an rbi mandated regulated entity called nbfc account aggregator which facilitates data coming from banks through consent you know your bank statement data you can through consent submit to any regulated entity for a specified purpose like taking a loan later it could be for health insurance etc as well or it is already being used for say life insurance and financial underwriting etc but essentially a user can provide consent to any other third party regulated entity to access this data for a specified amount of time and in a loan journey this is used to essentially take this data and create you know analytics to underwrite a borrower right and so uh, account aggregator is not the default option that people choose right now like i thought that it would be like maybe 90% of the people would be choosing that only because it's so much easier so see the coverage on account aggregator today is i think you know 18 odd banks out of that i think some of them are a little stable most of them are new on the system and you know it's being stabilized but on the pdf side we have 500 banks that are enabled plus right so basically if you imagine you know if you look at more urban population we do think in terms of private sector banks etc but a lot of bank accounts are in smaller banks in in cooperative banks etc cooperative banks 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so to get data beyond these 18 big banks who have signed up for this account aggregator framework, you need a PDF. And what, what what's the net banking thing that you were talking about? Similarly, you know, if, if the borrower doesn't have a PDF or sometimes, you know, right now they want to submit it through their bank account password and username, then they can submit it by sharing that. We, you know, our system is fully encrypted, doesn't store any of these credentials. They, you know, provide this consent, we sort of get this data and then that's it. Um, End-to-end enables. It's like sharing this data. It's like you could say workaround for account aggregator. So in India, we do have account aggregator, but say in the US, you know, this is the only way, for example, to get this data. There is no central API integration uh, stuff, I would say. So... As account aggregator sort of becomes better, I think it's a more consented way and it should become more dominant. And and what's the next product? So then from Bank Connect, there is a bunch here. There is, you know, something uh, which is a multi-bureau connector called Bureau Connect, which is essentially, you know, there are right now four uh, bureaus and uh, we sort of uh, enable, you know, folks to get this data, harmonize it, enrich it. and sort of provide this on a single API, which can again go into the decisioning system. And then there is Sentinel, which is a rule engine, which sort of consumes all this, and you can just sort of devise your policies for risk-based pricing of loans. So, for example, what interest rate should I give? Who should I give to? Yes or no answers. What should be the tenure, etc. It's used by marketplaces for lender ranking. So it's like an end-to-end system for decisioning. So first is analytics. You have to... Take this data and sort of make your own decisions. How do you combine it? We don't sort of get involved. But Sentinel is a system which sort of combines everything together. So like, there would be like a, a, a scorecard for a borrower. Based on that scorecard, what to offer? That is what Sentinel does. Sent- See, so yeah, I think at this point, I would say there are three, you know, to make a credit decision, there are broadly two, three steps that you have to follow. One is identify which data sources you are going to get into the system. So you have to integrate and get this data. So this is, you know, as I said, some of these data sources we provide. So these are our proprietary connectors. Some of them will be sort of more publicly available. So data. Second is building scorecards or predictors, right? So basically, what parameters are you going to, you know, get from this data? So that's also like deep experience, science, etc. The expertise that is needed. And then is the rule engine. So you put the scorecard, you put it into rule engine, the rule engine, and you th- say things like, okay, if this is coming from an app channel, and, you know, basically in the Finbox uh, sort of in inclusion score is high, then pull bureau data, etc. All of this stuff, this orchestration logic is put into Sentinel, basically. And you can sort of configure it, do can retesting, A-B testing, all of that. You're confident you just deploy it and then it's done. Is it just one single number or is it like on different parameters there? No, it's a bunch of parameters uh, depending upon the credit product. And what are those scores? So there is something called a Finbox inclusion score, which comes from our uh, device connect product. And then there is a Finbox. A good score will imply what? Good score implies low probability of delinquency or defaults. So there's a bunch of different sort of scores. And then, you know, 
there could be various criteria on say pin codes it could be based on you know various channels that this loan is coming through a bunch of that gets sort of you know configured into a rule engine and then you get like an automated decisioning system where as the loans are coming you're deciding automatically uh, and I, i'm guessing then the next product would have been what allows like say an odan to connect with an nbfc and start offering yeah so then you know once we sort of build these pieces then we are like okay let's put all of this together into a cohesive whole and which is you know the api stack or api platform is for origination so basically a, a platform which is an api led platform and then it also has a bunch of interfaces and journeys for you to sort of put out and build an origination system end to end so that's the next logical leap that we took are you in india or are you like do you, your customers so we are in india and southeast asia vietnam and indonesia now because like say the account aggregator framework is there in india but it will not be there in other countries and all of that like what were some of those those yeah, challenges to solve so that you could go global i think see financial services is a very you know context specific or sort of local context heavy business right so you do have to understand in detail what how you know particular uh, products run and what are the regulatory environment sort of considerations of a particular geography so on all the countries that we've sort of started business we've sort of first built connects and understood you know the the local context and then only brought in products that make sense right so for example device connect makes sense everywhere where you know there are android devices we can generate a, a bunch of analytics which sort of works across the board so typically we bring that first to the market where people then can evaluate our you know sort of quality of the products that we built and then as people become more sort of you know we've sort of built a little bit of a brand in the geography then we can bring in sort of more end to end products that's how we sort of think about it but still i would say early for us i would say to learn how to build these businesses outside what is your go to market how do you acquire clients so we run well subscribed newsletters uh, one is i think there's a bunch there overall 30000 odd monthly readers on our newsletters and on linkedin also. okay and these would be like decision makers in fintech and lending domain who would be reading you know also of course a lot of startup and technology enthusiasts etc and we built this up over time and you know we really wanted to do a great sort of good job in terms of putting out content we realized that you know great content was a white space good content was a white space in india right so we wanted to just enjoy building this stuff this content so we just started with a couple of blog posts and then sort of slowly built this whole newsletter piece give me some examples of the things that the newsletter So this week's newsletter is all about you know saying that okay can fintechs keep taking the jugaad route overall towards you know building a business and it sort of goes deep into you know what various business models are and how they've sort of shaped up over time etc and then there was a bunch on on co-lending guidelines and it came out then there there was a bunch on you know the the entire sort of upi transaction decline rates and all that so basically 
deep dives on sort of interesting topics that are relevant and then also sort of lending related topics etc account aggregator and, and how did you build the ability to create this content did you hire someone from the space or like so yeah in the very early days i think we did write a bunch of these blog posts internally and i think what it did was it set up the overall bar of where we wanted to be and then you know we were like very very fortunate to get a great team doing this and this is your primary source of lead gen so this is one that of course we've recently started to build a sales team as well so through connects etc and there's a bunch of blog posts also so about 150 blog posts which generates a bunch of traffic on our website so we get a lot of incoming from there as well so your global expansion must have been like an organic one where you would have got inquiries from say vietnam and you decided okay let's look at this market yeah so we we do get we do get a lot of inquiries from all over the world but i wouldn't say the business that is sort of fructifying at the scale is coming right now you know we're not so i would say because vietnam needs vietnamese language blogs more than sort of english i guess so i don't think that incoming piece is coming from southeast asia but europe does eastern europe a lot of it comes from there uk a lot of incoming come but we are not in those markets yet you did a a 15 million dollar fundraise yeah. last year you know was it a like a walk in the park or was it challenging to because the first time around when you were trying to raise funds you you were not successful you realized that maybe there is a founder market misfit happening there and how was it like this time so eventually we raised total total three times over right so we did raise a very small check from uh, this fund called arali venture partners in the early days 2 crore and then we did a convertible with ifl finance they were really supportive uh, of what we were doing etc and very gracious in giving us money just before that covid or i think between the covid waves some point so a convertible means the money is given to you as a loan and it converts in the next round yeah so the valuation is not decided valuation is not decided it the valuation depends on what next round valuation is okay so and you know but these are very small checks so they didn't really meaningfully give us enough runway or confidence to really spend big or to really dip into the negative territory so we were always building with you know sort of sustainability in mind so we were always saying okay can we make money to pay payroll and all of the aws costs etc that accumulate now those things were super interesting that built a bunch of muscle but it we were also like okay we are not the kind of business which is going to raise like large money and etc let's just not focus on that and in the meantime we did want to raise money and we were going towards like we had hired a banker but i would say the investors found us more than us found the investors amazing and i think we were super lucky to get you know the kind of investors we got i would say very supportive sorted folks who understand business well you know and essentially are there when you know you need them which is very nice i would say and i think we've heard a lot of horror stories with investors etc 
I would say our experience has been very, very different. Who led the round? This fifteen million round. A ninety-one partners. Okay, and uh, Flipkart also invested, uh, right? In- Flipkart invested. Aditya Birla Ventures invested. Why did Flipkart invest? Was it purely financial or also like a strategic? Yeah, so they have a fund, a small fund with financial investment. Okay, okay. It's not like they want to start offering like BNPL or something using your product like that. No, if that happens, it is going to be a separate conversation, I would say. It's not linked to the investment. How big is your organization? It's now 130 people. So tell me about building an organization of 130 people. That's an interesting question. See, we've been super fortunate to have like the earliest guys with us, right? So now what six years old startup? So we have guys who are six year old with us, right? You guys were five year olds, four year old with us. And I think, you know, we've been able to do that and it's meaningfully and we are super sort of thankful for the guys in believing in us and sort of trusting us. I think one piece is in the early days when say you are up to say a 50, 60 people organization, I think spending a lot of time helping people understand, you know, your ethos, your culture, how do you want to do stuff is very, very important. And I think we are now sort of grown into you know, a a size which is where this approach sort of just spending time generally because we don't like, you know, per per unit team member, we have very little time today, right? So it doesn't really work. And I think what we are now trying to do is, you know, magnify this communication, maybe through guys who we already have, you know, the sort of more vintage guys with us. They're still young, though, but they right out of college, they came to with us, etc. But they understand this really well. And, you know, to sort of help them sort of get to this role where they will be mentoring, coaching, that's one. I think we need to improve a lot on how we communicate internally, which is becoming very important, I think, to get everybody really aligned, motivated towards the, the goal. And given it is a complex business, I think that is something that needs to be done. This communicating internally is an interesting issue. Like, I mean, you know, do you believe more in like, say, a a Slack-based approach where there's Slack and everyone is communicating and so people can read and all that? Or is it more like, say, town halls and offsites and, you know, that kind of a approach? What do you think works? We feel both are important, right? Because... So if you talk sort of sharing ideas, so you need to be able to refer them later, you know, if and and I think people need to do a lot of written communication and we have sub- subscribed to a bunch of tools internally and people do write a lot on, you know, Notion, etc. Slack. And I do believe, but it doesn't substitute town halls, etc. Offsites we do purely for fun though. <laughs> we don't like mix work with the offsites that much. But I think, you know, what we want to do essentially going forward is at least have a, we do all of this, but we don't have like a set cadence. I think we will set that up, sort of give people an overall understanding of how this works. What's the long-term exit for investors, for the founders? You know, at a personal level, or at least the founders don't think about exit, at least at Finbox, you know. The reason is because, you know, when we've sort of, we built the business and it, even now it's a sustainable business. It makes money. And 
you know we we are in, enjoying it tremendously and each phase brings itself a plethora of learning opportunities right so we don't think about exits aise to you know we do want to build a very very interesting and large technology company and we feel the revenue opportunities are insanely large in this space and we can build a very very large business so you know we can build a billion dollar arr business in this area because you know this is this area has infinite adjacencies it's the deepest part of software so as, as you can imagine every software company actually sells to financial services any large software company if you see their largest chunk of revenue comes from financial services and there's a lot to build a lot of infrastructure is very very legacy uh, there's a lot of change india is a very fast moving market with a lot of opportunity every day you will get new opportunities to build something interesting india scale is so insanely large compared to anybody else in the world right that you end up building very very robust systems right and as you build them up and they mature it is we feel that the quality of systems as you know all of the flakiness starts to go away as our startup ecosystem also learns how to build really high quality products so there is the core the scalability is there because india is like at scale market the packaging etc you know we're getting there and we feel that in the next couple of years we can really open up all of the developed markets etc and you know the kind of stuff that we have seen nobody else will see basically you know each startup works with you know so many users that they're larger than potentially countries basically you said there is a potential to be like a billion dollar arr business here is there a comparable business in the west in this space so so there are businesses which are at 200 to 300 million dollars of arr today and they are listed company and they are in this whole api and data space for lending yeah so there sort of you could say credit infrastructure space not a, so very few companies globally actually marry these two spaces people are either technology companies or their data companies we are like a little bit of both because you know we are four co-founders and everybody sort of has their own specialization and we drove very hard and fast on both things simultaneously but you know a lot of companies sort of either are more technology they acquire data capabilities or are the opposite right and but there are companies which have so there are companies like blend there are companies like encino in the us which are infrastructure companies and are at couple of 100 million dollars of arr and they're growing fast and they're only in the us in niche segments so these are like only single product companies from say home loans etc or you know they are only like very single segment companies so in the us they are only at credit unions etc only in the us these companies will be able to achieve a billion dollars in arr i guess in the next 5 years so you can imagine the entire sort of global financial services infrastructure market is very very large i would say uh, who are your uh, cooperators in the indian startup ecosystem in this credit infrastructure uh, space so see there are a lot of credit infrastructure players but they are in their own area so basically credit card infrastructure etc there's a company called yap m2p which started in the credit card infrastructure space yeah basically i will say you know there are uh, there's m2p there is who is 
actually there aren't like really direct computers there is a company called digitap digitap on only the data apis part right so as i said right we are like so we've sort of dive, uh, built like a more infrastructure mindset in the company so we have like apis for orchestration etc not only data and that brings us to the end of this conversation i want to ask you for a favor now did you like listening to the show i'd love to hear your feedback about it do you have your own startup ideas i'd love to hear them do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in the show i'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests write to me at ad@thepodium.in at that's ad@thepodium.in at 